you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. We live in a time where the philosophy of egalitarianism rules the day, at least in America. All people are equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities. As Christians, we should wholeheartedly affirm that since all people are made in the image of God, then we are truly equal as human beings, male and female, all ethnicities, every man, woman, and child of the earth. This is a beautiful truth. Yet egalitarianism has also been applied by many Christians to the marriage relationship. It teaches that there are no God-given roles for a husband and wife, no spiritual head or helper who submits to that head. Some Christian egalitarians point to the possibility that submission of wife to husband is only a recipe for abuse. Others believe that the Apostle Paul was just a woman-hating sexist, wrongly influenced by Greeks and Romans who saw wives as just inferior possessions. One recent blog post entitled, Six Ways to Know You're Living Out an Egalitarian Marriage, is especially illuminating. Here are the six reasons given by the author. One, you have Jesus as the head of the marriage rather than the husband as head over the wife. Two, you decide together rather than the husband having the final vote. Three, you submit to one another rather than wife submitting to husband. Four, you grow together since you are both spiritual leaders of the marriage. Fifth, you dream together. And finally, six, you respect each other instead of wife just respecting the husband. Do you hear the egalitarian message? Marriage is solely about equality and togetherness and thereby sameness. There is no distinction in roles or responsibilities. Husband and wife do everything the same and everything together. Now who can argue with that? Don't we want to live out oneness in our marriage? Don't we want both husband and wife submitting to the Lordship of Christ so that they can grow together in Christ? Certainly we do. But a clear understanding of Scripture gives us a more robust view of how husbands and wives are to relate together in marriage. We have been created differently, even though we are both made in the image of God. We have been given different roles, even though we are equal in the sight of the Lord and should be by one another. So while the egalitarian view has some merit, we're going to dig deeper and embrace a complementarian view as given in Scripture. While it may kick against our cultural norms and even our own senses at places, it is God's way for marriage. We need to embrace the realities of spiritual leadership and spiritual submission to the glory of God and for the good of our marriage. As we continue reading in Colossians 3, Paul speaks briefly and succinctly about marriage in verses 18 to 19. He writes, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. 
Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. We'll begin with a short command for wives to submit to husbands, and we'll put it in its proper context. First, as Paul says, it is to be fitting in the Lord. So why is it fitting for wives to submit to husbands? Or to put it another way, how does a wife's submission fit into her relationship with the Lord? To begin with, our relationship to Christ is one of submission to our authority. Christians are called and commanded to obey Christ. We come under the headship of Christ and submit to him in all things. So since our Christian life is characterized by submission to Christ, it makes sense that our Christian relationships are also characterized by submission. The submission of children to parents the submission of all Christians to governing authorities, civil authorities, church authorities, the submission of Christians to one another, and then finally, the submission of Christian wives to their own husbands. It is fitting when we are in the Lord to be in submissive relationships. From there, wives are to recognize that their submission to husbands is simply an extension of their submission to Christ. So if they are submitting well to their husband, they are submitting well to Christ. And unfortunately, when a wife is unsubmissive in action or attitude, this displays a lack of submission to Christ as well. Wives, that means there is no way to disconnect your relationship to your husband from your relationship to Christ. The Lord has designed for these to be intertwined and to reflect one another. So the essential context of a wife's submission is her submission to Jesus. You are not simply submitting to your husband. You are following Christ. Second, it is connected to loving spiritual leadership. Wives submitting to husbands is meant to be connected to husbands loving and leading their wives. Now, this doesn't mean that wives cannot submit to husbands who are not loving and not leading well. The primary context, again, of submission is still your relationship to Christ. But husbands can certainly make submission more bearable if they are being loving in their leadership. A domineering husband or a passive husband are quite a challenge to submit to. So you husbands out there, make it easier on your wives. Instead of just expecting or demanding submission, Take the lead and love your wives and be considerate towards them. Again, submission of wife is designed to function within a loving relationship with her husband. Now let's move on to some practical principles regarding the submission of wives to husbands. Later, we will return to husbands loving and leading their wives. So what does submission look like in real practice? First, Submission does not communicate inferiority. If you picture submission in marriage as being similar to a slave submitting to a master or a private submitting to a general, then you have the wrong picture. In those cases, you definitely have a superior and an inferior. And when Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church, the Roman mindset was certainly one of women being inferior to men. That's why Paul telling husbands to actually love their wives would be so countercultural. The biblical truth is that the practice of 
wifely submission is within the unique one flesh relationship of love, intimacy, honor, and respect. To put it another way, her submission is deeply connected to her calling as helper. A wife's submission is supposed to truly help her husband in his role as spiritual leader of the family. So it is not that husband is a superior being bossing around an inferior. Wife is not just another one of his children that he tells what to do. Husbands and wives are equals as spouses in the one flesh relationship. As Christians, they are co-heirs with Christ. They are to work together as a team. If the husband or wife sees submission as one of an inferior to a superior, then there will be no real respectful, loving, intimate relationship here. Wife is a necessary helper to a man who needs serious help. Second practical principle is this. If it's not hard, it may not really be submission. This is another foundational principle of submission. It's supposed to be difficult. It's not easy at all. Why is that? Yes, sometimes a husband's poor leadership makes it hard. Again, remember, husbands can actually make submission somewhat easier. But even if you are married to the perfect man, submission would still be painful and difficult. If you are a wife, think about it this way. You are also married to Christ who perfectly loves you and leads you. Do you ever find it difficult to submit to him, obey his word, and follow his lead? Submission is hard because we are rebels by nature. Our sinful nature makes us want to be independent, outside of authority, our own person. Then our culture and maybe even how we were parented has made it worse. There are not too many voices encouraging wives to submit to their husbands out there. So wives, if you find submission easy and pain-free, either you are without sin yourself or maybe you aren't really submitting in all areas. Maybe you are actually fully in charge in your marriage and family. Or maybe you have only been married for a few hours. Rejoice in the difficulty of submission. It is meant to be one of the lifelong sanctification challenges in your marriage. Third principle, submission starts in the heart. As with everything else in the Christian life, submission is a heart issue first. We must not think of submission as simply outward obedience or believe that as long as I'm going along with him on the outside, it doesn't matter what I'm thinking about him on the inside. The Lord knows our hearts and they are what need to be changed. It's not just a behavior change that's necessary. It's having a heart that loves Christ, loves your husband, and desires to submit. By the way, wives, a husband can also tell when a wife is submissive on the outside but not on the inside. Without a hard attitude of submission, even the external actions of submission will begin to break down. Or when things don't go well, a wife exclaims, I knew I shouldn't have gone along with that decision. So now I've just made submission that much more difficult, haven't I? And that's why we need Jesus. Submission must be attitudinal as well as behavioral, and only the Lord can change a heart to make it follow and obey. Wives, this doesn't mean your heart will always be in it, but it does mean that your submission must be from heartfelt love for Christ and for your husband. Next principle, 
Submission is active. Submission often feels very passive, doesn't it? It feels like I'm just going along with the program or having to not do what I want to do. Extreme and unbiblical definitions of submission would lead wives to believe that they can never question their husband's authority or decisions. They just have to keep their mouth shut and pray for their husbands. This interpretation ends up in a doormat approach to a wife's submission. Instead, true submission is very active. It is based in real thinking and questioning and even respectfully challenging your husband. There should be much discussion about a decision that is vital to the marriage and family. A wife is to be an active participant in the process. So wives don't believe that asking questions or even giving a respectful rebuke are signs of being unsubmissive. It's not about smiling sweetly and just being a yes woman. What help would that be to your husband? Instead, your submission will be much richer and resolute when it comes at the end of the process of serious heart-to-heart discussion. Have your questions fully answered. Seek biblical counsel when necessary. Actively think through where your husband is leading. Then when you submit, it will be based on an active following, not a passive one. Your husband needs you to participate in the decision-making process, not just be a spectator, even if he makes you feel like he doesn't really want to hear from you. You are his best helper. Now here's a practical question for us. How do I submit to poor leadership? What if my husband is requiring me to sin? Or what if he is making unwise choices? Or what if he's just a poor leader in general? First, if your husband is forcing you to submit to something sinful, then you first must submit to Christ. You must submit to God's word, which would mean disobedience to your husband. But in reality, there are not that many sinful things that a husband requires of a wife typically, is there? I've heard a few cases, a husband requiring an abortion or a husband forbidding a wife to go to church. So there are some out there. But actually, the next issue is tougher. What if the husband is just making unwise choices and you know it's going to have a negative effect on you and the family? Maybe it's a financial or a job decision or how he is parenting or his family rules. This is where a wife must learn to make godly, respectful appeals, have lots of conversations, and even work to convince husband of truth. A wife also needs to pray. Also, a wife must watch crossing the line into nagging or being belligerent, trying just to muscle a husband into your way of thinking. In the end, wife, if things don't change, you need to submit in the Lord and then trust the Lord to protect you and your husband and your family. You have to let your husband make unwise choices sometimes, maybe a lot of times. The good news is God is still on the throne, and your true heart submission to even an unwise choice will be used by God in your life and your marriage. It is not your responsibility to prevent unwise decisions or fix them when they go wrong. Third, sometimes wives are in that hard place of being married just to a poor leader in general. I just can't trust him to do virtually anything right. Well, what do you do? 
All the above certainly applies to this situation. Pray, discuss, challenge, help. Yet even in this scenario, biblical submission still applies. A wife can't take over the lead in her home when her husband isn't doing a good job. The issue here is not learning to trust your husband, but growing in your trust of the Lord to make a way through it for you. If your husband totally abdicates in some decision, you may have to make the decision by default. That doesn't make a wife unsubmissive, but forced in the leadership where it isn't hers to lead. And some biblical counseling here is definitely mandatory. These are some of the hardest situations for a wife, yet she must keep her heart submissive to Christ and not become angry at God and strive to follow the lead of her husband. Which leads us to the final practical principle of submission. Submission is sanctifying. We've kind of said this already, right? We've said when submission is difficult... It is because it's sanctifying. All of marriage is about your sanctification, but for wives, submission is a great tool for growth. So just repeat, submission is sanctifying, submission is sanctifying 10 times when you have to follow your husband into a difficult place. Remember that you are pleasing the Lord and he will grow you through it. Wives, what would you rather have? Sanctification from the Lord or simply your own way? Now let's extend our conversation into the central role of the husband. As loving spiritual leader of his wife, Paul states it succinctly in Colossians 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So let's talk about spiritual leadership and how it is characterized by love. We've already addressed love in marriage and how it is the virtue that binds together us as husband and wife. It is what must characterize Christian marriage, tying together all the other essential virtues. Love is also a unique command given to husbands. Nowhere in Scripture is there a specific command for wives to love their husbands. Instead, husbands are called to love their wives. Why is that? Well, we could do all sorts of speculation, but the fact is that we aren't told. Could it be that women are more loving naturally so they don't need to be commanded to love their husbands? Probably not. Or are husbands just so awful at loving that they need to be told to love? That's also a huge generalization. Again, we aren't told, so that must not be the point. Instead, we should focus on what makes the love of a husband for a wife so vital that it requires a command from the Holy Spirit via the hand of Paul. I think what makes it so essential is its connection to the spiritual leadership of husband in marriage. We see this much more clearly in Ephesians 5, where husbands are charged to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ loves the church as her head with a deeply sacrificial love. This is the model for all Christian husbands. So as we see this charge in Colossians 3, for husbands to love their wives and not be harsh with them, we'll treat this under the heading of a husband's leadership. Husbands are to lead their wives motivated and fueled by love rather than harshness. 
In most other authority relationships, a loving leader seems soft and mushy, too emotional and sensitive, especially to men. Yet our example, model, and identification as husbands is Christ himself. He was always moved by love and compassion. He continues to be head of the church out of love for his people. It is what defines his authority. So it must be for the Christian husband. He must be motivated by love in his leadership of the family, and his leadership must be executed in a loving manner. So it must be recognized that husbands face the temptation of irresponsibility. Grounded in love, the spiritual leadership of the husband is thoroughly connected to responsibility. He is to lead responsibly. He is to be responsible. He is to take responsibility and not avoid it. So why is it so tempting for husbands to be irresponsible? Well, it is easy to blame it on poor child rearing or a culture that doesn't seem to promote responsibility in young people, especially young men. But at the core, it is because of our sinful hearts. It is our sin that wants to avoid responsibility, either putting it on someone else, manipulating our way around it, or simply by neglecting it. Some husbands are sinfully irresponsible all the way around. But many husbands treat responsibility as leaders in our home as sort of a cafeteria-style plan. We pick and choose those areas of responsibility that we are more comfortable with and confident in, and then we delegate all the rest. I mean that negatively, by the way. Husbands, maybe you enjoy being responsible for working and bringing home the income, but less interested in leading in the management of family finances. Or maybe you're comfortable leading in decision-making, but not so much taking the lead for family worship. Or maybe you take responsibility for making sure the family home and vehicles are maintained, but you leave the leadership of the discipline of the children to your wife. Or maybe you lead in making sure your children are involved in extracurricular events, but are kind of uninterested in their academic growth. Or finally, maybe you take responsibility in planning fun activities for your marriage, but avoid leading in communication and conflict resolution. Now, please don't get the idea that husband is responsible to do everything as spiritual leader. No, he needs his helpmate to be an active participant in helping him in all these areas and more. He is not responsible to do everything, but to lead well in everything. Now, we'll talk more about responsibilities and leadership in another podcast. Husbands, what we must avoid is complete abdication of our leadership, as well as the checking out of certain areas, either due to lack of interest or lack of competence. Husbands must learn to lead their wives and families with a godly confidence and passion. Which leads us to another important aspect of godly, loving leadership— the husband's responsibility to set the vision for the marriage. Husbands, do you regularly think about where your marriage and family are heading? Where are you going? If we're honest, we tend to pay more attention when things are going badly, when we're on the wrong track. Yet godly leaders must be proactive, not just reactive. By definition, a leader is out front. A leader casts vision. A leader gives direction. 
A leader doesn't just let those he leads wander aimlessly or go without instruction or without any ultimate goal in sight. In the same way, a Christian husband must not irresponsibly let his marriage and family just go whatever way it wants to go. As spiritual leader, a husband is called to be ultimately concerned about the spiritual health and vitality of his wife and his children. He is to make decisions about what must be done to encourage spiritual growth and character development. He is to point the way to maturity in Christ. Again, it is easier to be reactive instead of proactive. It is tempting to just sit back and then respond when things get out of hand. We put out fires instead of work to prevent them. Husbands, as spiritual head of your home, you are setting the direction of your marriage and family, whether you think about it much or not. As lovers of God and your wife, it is your responsibility to follow Christ and lead your family in the right direction to set the pace. Well, also thoroughly connected to the loving leadership of the husband is the responsibility to protect and defend his wife. Now, most husbands can embrace their job to lovingly protect their wives, especially in terms of physical protection. We know we are called to be strong and courageous in protecting our wives from the physical threats present in this world. Yet do we think about our responsibility to protect our wives emotionally or mentally or spiritually? Do we seek to protect and defend their hearts and minds as well as their bodies? We would never want our wives to be attacked physically, but are we protecting them from spiritual attacks with the same vigilance? If we believe that Satan is a roaming lion seeking to destroy Christians, we must take seriously our call to lovingly protect our wives from those attacks. So practically speaking, what's involved in the spiritual protection of our wives? Here's a few thoughts. First, husbands pray for her. A loving husband prays for his wife. Second, listen to her. Hear her heart, her struggles her problems, listen to her, and give her biblical counsel. Third, help your wife in relationships. Assist her in working out difficult relationships with family, friends, or even enemies. And finally, husbands, lead in decision-making. Don't leave your wife hanging out to dry in her decisions. Talk them through with her. Lead and guide. Be willing to even lovingly overrule decisions that might harm her spiritually, mentally, or emotionally. Loving your wife, husbands, means desiring to see her grow spiritually, thrive emotionally, and mentally. This is godly protection for her. Next principle, husbands, is loving leadership also offers comfort and care. This is the mercy component of a husband's spiritual leadership. Husbands, your wives need you to be compassionate toward them, caring for them when they're hurting. They need your comfort in times of pain and suffering, not coolness or harshness. Giving this sort of nurture to wives can be a challenge for husbands who are more comfortable with expecting people to be tough or thick-skinned. For example, do you know what to do when your wife cries? Do you move towards her to comfort her, or do you move away? What if you are the one who made her cry in the first place? 
The fact is that many husbands either implicitly or explicitly communicate an expectation to their wives that they need to be strong. When husbands don't listen or care or comfort, they are in effect requiring their wives to take care of any emotional needs themselves. And in our radically feministic culture, it's easy for both men and women to have this expectation of strength, in terms of hardness, that is. Wives are supposed to be soft-hearted and not hard-hearted, which requires husbands to comfort, to care, and nourish. Colossians 3.19 also makes a point to instruct husbands not to be harsh with their wives, doesn't it? Well, this can be also translated, do not embitter your wives. On one extreme, husbands can be much too passive in their leadership, abdicating many of their responsibilities. But on the other extreme, husbands can be harsh, domineering, and even abusive in their leadership. Fueled by either anger or anxiety, a husband's leadership can become twisted into a dictatorship. The desire to control can overcome the call to lead. Words can be harsh. Looks can be harsh. Decisions can be harsh. All of these can embitter a wife toward her husband. Like we've already discussed, if she doesn't see love in the leadership, it's not godly leadership. Then even in Christian marriages, we set up our marriage for some level of abuse. Harshness can develop on both sides, in leadership and in the refusal to submit. This is our own sin and not God's design for our marriage. So husbands, keep watch to not let your leadership become overzealous or controlling. It's easy for it to get there. So husbands, watch your words, how you say things. Watch your expectations of your wife. Watch your attitude towards your wife. Watch your nonverbals. And recognize that your job is to lead in a serving, sacrificial way not in a harshly domineering way. Well, here's a final question on spiritual leadership. What if she won't follow? I've had many husbands tell me that they are leading, but she's just not following, or that they have simply married an unsubmissive wife. Now, these things may be true. After all, wives are sinners too. But if your wife isn't following your lead, here are a few things to think about. First, Are you loving her in your leadership? You knew I was going to ask you that. Second, are you praying for her to have a soft heart towards you? Third, are you protecting her, caring for her, being kind in your leadership? Fourth, does she have reason not to trust you? What can you do to remedy that? And fifth, maybe you are failing to really talk through your decisions, showing your wife what you are thinking etc. Being a good salesman of your choices. Now, husbands, even if your wife is failing in her helpership, you need to continue to lead. Yes, it seems senseless to lead when no one is following, but this is about pleasing the Lord first. Be patient. Continue to love and to appeal to her to come alongside you in your leadership. It is not your job to make your wife submit. It is your job to love not to give in to harshness, and to continue to show her grace in Christ. 
As I said from the outset, Christian marriage is supposed to push back against the egalitarianism of this age and of our sinful hearts. The spiritual activities of leadership and submission are roles and responsibilities that God has designed to properly maintain our marriage. It is only our sin that distorts, abuses, or neglects these vital roles. That's why we need Jesus and continued heart change. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.